This week's episode of the Star Wars Report is brought to you by the good folks supporting us over on patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. Let's do the show, folks. Come, come, come. And who might you be? It's the Star Wars Report. Star Wars Report. Woo! Star Wars Report. The place for Star Wars news, features, interviews, and more. Then we can do something epic. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. Please delete as appropriate. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. So here's the de- here's the deal, guys. Here's the de- if if you have a video game and and it just had an influx of 19 million new players. Um, what do you do? What do you do with that game? Well, if you're EA, uh, you abandoned it six months ago. It's Battlefront Two. It's uh, it's it's the game that won't die. We're gonna talk about it because it's also the topic, at least in 2021, here on the Star Wars Report podcast that won't die. Uh, but it is. It's the Star Wars Report podcast, and you're listening to it. And I'm your host Riley Blanton. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, and probably what was one of the more awkward introductions of the year so far. But hey, here we are. We're here to talk Star Wars, and with me once again, joining me with. Over 10 years of Star Wars podcasting excellence, it's Mr. Mark Herleman. Welcome to the program, sir. Welcome, welcome. Howdy. Feeling a little old. (laughs) Quiet, aren't you? We are old. We are old, (laughs) sir, uh, in podcasting terms. We were just talking about this right before the show started on the um, the Patreon-exclusive Rogue Transmissions. Uh, But we were talking on Rogue Transmissions um, about how old we are. (laughs) We've been at this. Star Wars Report hits 10 years this, this... june i want to say it is crazy mm. crazy talk you, you'd think we'd have that rolodex or something uh, yeah <laughs> i mean because beyond the films was a year behind mm-hmm. um yeah. man what what history what history mm. oh, yeah podcast ah uh, yes 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 well you know what Enough, let, let's talk about the future of Star Wars, which is going to be in the news. We have something to report. Delta, I have good news. Data brought to us by the Bothan spies. We can send a clear transmission. There it is. Listen, listen. So if you're a Star Wars Battlefront 2 player, odds are uh, you may have noticed a flood of player matches uh, lately. And that is because... Uh, well, it's not a coincidence. It's because there's recently a promotion held with Epic Games Store for a PC-based version of the game. Uh, and this was a couple weeks back. And during that promo, they gave away Battlefront 2 uh, for free for a week. And now EA has given us a better idea of just how many people actually downloaded and started playing the game. Uh, it was 19 million people, Mark Herleman. Um, you know, it makes sense. I mean, because like if I, I have it on my consoles, both of those, but I don't have it for my computer. Yeah. And if it was free, like, yeah, why wouldn't you take advantage of that? I mean, exactly. Now I'm like my computer friends out there just because I don't game yet. You could have let a brother know. Come on now, <laughs> son. <laughs> yeah. Well, and we've been talking about Battlefront 2's resurgence uh over the over the last few months. It's, it won't die. Like player numbers and and the community around the game has continued really strong ever since they announced that they were no longer going to release updates for it. Like I was way back when they announced that. You and, every, like, you and everybody else, like everyone was shocked that they just 
dropped the game dead. Right. I mean, you're like, you got all this Mandalorian stuff coming, and you're like, you're not going to capitalize on that? Like, damn. Even Fortnite capitalized on that. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, so it's 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 interesting, but this is yet another um, cog in the wheel of just creating a certain level of demand, I think, for EA to return to the Battlefront franchise in one way or another. Um, as far as what kind of splash that makes from a corporate decision-making point, that, that remains to be seen. Uh, again... They've announced that they were not not going to release any new content for it. Uh, EA did say in the tweet that um, actually, you know what? Let me pull it up because I, I don't want to misquote it because I thought it was significant that EA Star Wars actually released this. They haven't released any updates about Battlefront really since April on an, in an official capacity. So even though the fact that they they tweeted something out here it is more than 19 million players caught hashtags. Uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 from the Epic Game Store promo. Thank you so much for the continued support, even after our final content drop. We'll be watching your careers with great interest. May the Force be with you, troopers. Hmm. Exactly. Hmm. What do you it think that means, think Mark? If, like, a contract ran out and they're like, we're not going to bother to renew it because we got something else going on. Well, from a company level, I know DICE shifted all their workers to the new, next battlefield, so all their developers, they moved on. And mm-hmm. I think they assumed the game would just die off, and it hasn't. And, and in fact, the player count has been increasing going into the holidays with The Mandalorian and then this uh, Game Store promo. Like, There's been uh, item after item reinforcing the notion that there is a just huge demand for a casual first-person shooter Star Wars game, and uh, I love that. And, and and even the mod community has been releasing their own updates. Someone did. Um, I, I'm glad you said that because I was. I, that's where I was going to go. Was like the the one thing I am very aware of when it comes to this game on PC is the mod community because my son has always been big on the clone wars. And so every time that they would do a new clone trooper mod, he would show me the video and and eventually the videos got like 15 minutes long of just mod, 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 all these different types of stormtroopers you could play or Ahsoka Tano or Darth Maul or, uh, I mean, uh, Rev, I mean, just to name a few, everything. It was insane. Yeah, just to, just to name a few. Yeah, the Ahsoka mod, this, the uh, uh, making Ahsoka playable was a huge fan request, even long before she showed up in the Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. They're really hoping that those, and I think they really were planning future content drops. So, um, I I think it's fair to say, especially if you look at the replies to the tw- the to that tweet and just the overall Battlefront community <laughs> that that has, re- refuses to die. <laughs> Whoa! You're you're encouraging people to look up replies to tweets. <laughs> I, I know I should not. This is I'm I'm I feel like I'm violating a core value here. Um, <laughs> but even so, with all the new uh, players, I don't know that they're gonna. Well, maybe they would. I, it would be uh, kind of historic they if they decided before? to do like one more goodwill content drop, and they shifted some right. developers to do one last. Um, one last content drop and then shift their focus to a Battlefront 3 because there's no way I think they're not thinking about doing a Battlefront 3, especially with with all of this good news about Battlefront over the last month or two. 
Well, and that's, I'm trying to think if there's any other IP where they've come back to the content and picked it up outside of like television shows and stuff like, you know, Roseanne coming back eventually or, you yeah. know, um, there's been so many that have done it. Uh, I'm trying to think what the heck the name of that one is. Modern yeah. Development? No. Yeah. One with, I know what uh, you're talking about. Yeah. But um, I, I, I guess um, we'll, it'll, be rema- it'll remain oh, to be seen. Too. Uh, exactly how they they go back to the Battlefront um, project. But the fact that they sent out a tweet, at the very least, is them recognizing how vibrant the community is, and I think that's a, that's a positive. Um, I think mm. that even with the really rough start Battlefront 2 had, it's the greatest redemption story in, in Star Wars video games. I know we've talked about it on the show, but it really is. And it is a video game-heavy show, Mark, because... Uh, we got some updates on my favorite kind of Star Wars game, which is Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga. Um, and, and so Don McDermott, who's the um, lead hub designer at TT Games, actually had a few interesting quotes. Mark, you want to take this one away? Yeah, uh, the lead hub designer at TT Games revealed that the upcoming action-adventure game will feature around 800 unique characters, and about 300 of them will be fully playable. Although that's kind of kind of that's a small number. Like if I, I, there's 800 unique characters, I want 800 uniquely <laughs> playable characters. Come on, you're now. so hard to please, uh, Mark. But anyway, one of those is fan favorite Babu Frick. Hey, 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 hey. Furthermore, the game will allow players to explore both planets and space battles across over 28 different locations this okay. time around. The older gamers' uh, level-based structure is being mixed with open-world exploration. Which is a first for Lego Star Wars games, which I think is going to be an interesting dynamic. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I was talking to Jim about this on our uh, year in review. And, I mean, you can't go wrong with the Lego content. As long as you just admit that, you know, Lego Star Wars is its own thing. You know, it's all canon except for Lego Star Wars. Uh, But I also like the fact that Lego Star Wars is also the only thing in any canon that's actually taken us past the rise of Skywalker. And so if we might be able to do that in game fashion, in mm. an open world in Lego, like I think that would be a lot of fun. I think that that would be hours of fun, especially if you get to explore as Finn and do some maybe Jedi training missions and stuff. I think kids would get a kick it's, out of doing that. It's funny you should say Finn. You know, I actually didn't include that this other quote that was that was also in the interview that she did because i these thing these controversies are often so overblown and so politicized and tribal and in the social media star wars fandom but you did say finn and i and i feel compelled to bring it up she actually specifically mentioned that there were opportunities to expand and i'm paraphrasing expand storytelling that wasn't available in the films in the lego mm-hmm. format to include and she specifically calls out uh, a more complete story for Finn and that Finn story in the rise of Skywalker timeline of the game is a little bit more involved than his role in the movie, which is also on top on, on the, on the backs last week or the week before of, um, of new quotes from John Boyega describing kind of franchise work and his role in star Wars with some, some level of saltiness um, at uh, being really kind of marketed as, a lead character in the force awakens. And by the time rise of Skywalker comes around, definitely kind of a secondary role as the story focused on Ben. Solo yeah. It's and interesting. Ray. The, the article that you brought up at Stu, uh, star Wars Newsnet, they go on, for example, Finn's role in the rise of Skywalker is getting a boost mm-hmm. as the creative yep. says that this is their chance to put things right. 
I, I love the idea hmm. of, of added content in general. Um, I think that's one of the things that the Lego games have always done well. Uh, you know, I think like back at the first one when you're playing episode one and you're like with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, and you're trying to get out of a room and you have to go up and through this other, yep. you know, five hallways just to I get remember down well. the corridor. You're like, whoa. On the GameCube, cool. uh, that's, that's where I played the original Lego Star Wars. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it'll be. I, I, I'm looking forward to it. It's right up my alley. Um, I'm sure it'll be a lo- kind of repetitive from a lot of the previous Lego Star Wars games and cover a lot of the same territory. But it seems like it has enough new features and uh, elements that I'll I'll probably get it. Um, don't talk too much about the open world exploration. I would love to know what they're doing with that with the time frame. Like, is it just a uh, online open world where everybody see, can come together? I could see a uh, pseudo maybe boxed-in version of a Lego Minecraft mashup. Well, then I was thinking, like, in Minecraft, then if you did something like that, where then you could probably have every era explored, where you have each era having its own open world. But That'd be cool. They, they don't give you anything there, so it's like, man, like... Don't you, you got to give me this stuff, Lego? Shut me down, or I'm going to start <laughs> dreaming big. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I it'll be interesting to see. Um, mm-hmm. I'll probably be the last foray into Star Wars for a while. Um, yeah, we'll we'll see. But uh, we're not done with gaming news because, ladies and gentlemen. But wait, but wait, there's more. There is more. Uh, Kotor. Remember, remember oh, that? Oh, shut up. <laughs> Kotor. Are you messing with... Wait, no. the Kotor? The, are, are we talking like Bioware Kotor? Knights of the Old, Repub- of the old Republic. What? Well, it was really difficult for me to say Old Republic just now. I don't know why. <laughs> well, because it's a High Republic now. Well, I was, that's what I was thinking because is it a Knights of the High Republic? At which point well, my brain immediately went to... How would you pronounce that? Her car doesn't work as well. well the knights Co-tar. in the High Republic will acknowledge the fact that there is still an old Republic. Mm. How's that to mind trip you? That you know what? For over a thousand generations, the Jedi Knights were the guardians of peace and justice in the old Republic before <laughs> the dark times. Um, no, all right. <clears throat> I digress. No, I mean, this is exciting news, because yeah. dark times for some Star Wars fans is the fact that Knights of the Old Republic never made the jump over. That is so, true. So, I mean, any kind of development right now of this game yeah. is going to wet their whistles, and I'll, they happen to be one I'll of those stop, fans. Yeah, I'll stop beating around the bush. Uh, there's some new rumors out about a Knights of the Old Republic game that's reportedly in development, according to multiple sources. Uh, source through here is a Screen Rant, so take that for what it is. Um uh, and the title will be coming from a studio that isn't Bioware or EA. Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic is widely regarded to be uh, one of the best uses of the Star Wars license in video game history. I would agree with that. Um, and the two RPGs in the series thus far have been beloved uh, by fans for their reverence for the source material combined with unique storytelling, character customizations, and impactful choices. All true. Um, I still remember uh, the how how gripping i found the story for the original knights of the old republic which came out in 2003 mark i play i was play i played a pc version of it like years later uh and me and bethany were all into that for a time dude it took me forever to finish that game on a light side setting because i i, I went full dark my first trip through and every trip after that i set out to be a good boy scout 
Yeah. And I fell down Temptation Island time after time. <laughs> I, I, I became gray, and then I would shift to the dark, and then, yeah, just, just man, such a fun game, though. But the fact that this is multiple sources, for one, is exciting, but... Honestly, when you think about the High Republic, this makes a lot of sense because that's the one aspect of what they're doing right now that they're not touching. And at first it was like, well, they're not doing any movies or any live TV. And then, oh, the Acolyte happens to be of the High Republic. Granted, it's it's in a different time frame and it's set apart from everything, but it is still part of that initiative. It's like now, after, if you did right? This, Isn't the Acolyte... Acolyte's rumored to be, or maybe even confirmed to be, after the High Republic publishing yes, that's coming out now. Be Fifty years before the Phantom Menace, where the High Republic is two hundred years before. So, it's, oh, uh, interesting. Least that's that was the, the the initial time spot that they put it. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that's changed since then. Or actually, no. Fifty years is uh, the. Chinese exclusive story oh. and the acolytes about a hundred years. Sorry. Gotcha. Sorry. But so so even those two projects, they they they're on the tail end of the High Republic era, but they have really nothing to do with anything else High Republic because they're separated by at least a hundred to fifty or so years. Yeah. Um, but the fact that you've got the High Republic as an era being explored, you know. Yeah, you'd have to change the acronym, Knights of the High Republic, but I could easily see that being something that they're doing. And I could see why you wouldn't go with Bioware in that regard. EA, I I, I could see that. But is this the game that we're – is this the – this ain't the Ubisoft game or is no. that a different rumor? Cause yeah, my the son Ubisoft is one where they, they've officially announced at least that Ubisoft's developing it and that it's open world. That's all they've officially announced. But that seems different from what they're reporting here. That is interesting in and of itself, too, because that's exciting. Because, yeah, I mean, he, my son was super excited when, when he heard that one. He's like, yeah, yeah what do you think? What do you think? If, if this is the case, I think this, this is a bit further down the road. And I think the Ubisoft Star Wars open world game will be the next one that we see uh, from there. So. Star Wars Champions game, I think that's the name of it, brought Revan in. Uh, you know, they brought some of the game characters and stuff like that in as, as things we've seen the black series figures of these characters and stuff. So, I mean, there's been, I mean, think about the fact that, that they were almost in the clone wars. I mean, we had models for them from Filoni. I mean, so, you know, the fact that these characters have been so popular, the fact that they haven't made the jump yet it seems prime time because the one thing the high republic is doing is giving us tidbits and details about that era and it's exploring the past eras i mean we're learning if you read the test of courage you'll find out exactly how the sith order was formed i mean not maybe exactly but at least a big uh, smoking gun so they're giving you things even farther back than the era the stories are set i think that's pretty awesome and you could easily do something like that where you just mention something like that or tie it in or take a pre-existing uh reference that we have that we haven't seen fleshed out like where uh kanan mentions the mandalore battle at malachor with the mandalorians and the ancient jedi and stuff and throw in revan's name well, and they kind of did that. So Revan is actually now canon. At least this is this is me being the most Mark Herleman like that I can be. So Are ready, you talking about the planets? Uh, so in the Rise of Skywalker Visual Dictionary, uh, that's where they have the different like Sith trooper legions named after different Sith lords, and they 
that canonized Revan because there was one called the Third Revan Legion. Probably the most nerdy, story groupy way to confirm Revan as canon ever. Not even like it. Not even like a flashback in a comic book or a, like part of an actual real story, but actually a visual guide. So that's definitely something that Pablo Hidalgo was just like, yeah, that's cool, let's do it, and nobody well, and told and him no. I recently no. had heard that there, uh, the Tales of the Jedi, the Beast Wars of Onderon, had been loosely adapted in a sense of they were called epics, and those epics uh, talked about that. And that was it. They, they yeah. just they referenced the stories from legends, and that was that was as far as it got. So they're like, oh, there's a canon mention. We got it. Yeah, tick that off. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty. It's pretty good. That's pretty. That's a good one. Uh, well, all right. So f- we'll we'll depart from video games. Uh, I promise. If, you, if you're not a gamer, we do have a little bit for you on this show, uh, and that is actually um, an interesting uh, video that I wanted to highlight that just came out from the Disney Parks YouTube channel. I have a link to the full thing if you want to listen to it. But they talk a little bit about Galaxy's Edge, and it's like um, Scott Tropridge of Disney Parks and Doug Chang, the lead designer, talking about Galaxy's Edge for really no other reason than I think they're trying to gen up attendance this summer at the parks. Uh, Disney uh, uh, doesn't want to lose all their money. (laughs) At least they're trying not to. At least one of their parks is open currently. So uh, here's a little excerpt of it. And to make room for the guest in this, a place where you can live a new Star Wars story, a place where you can live your Star Wars story, so that we could draw you in as an active participant and a citizen of this galaxy and not just a spectator that's watching it from a distance, that's watching it from afar. Oh, and I, I, I cut a little forward in the video than I on the segment I wanted to, but Scott, that was Scott Trowbridge, and he starts off the segment saying that like when we designed it, we didn't want it to be uh, about anyone's memories of Star Wars. You know, we didn't want it to make it a specific time and place that happened in the movie, but we wanted to make mm-hmm. it, as he said there, uh, something that you can experience and be a part of. And that, and it was interesting because uh, it's a great video, especially if you have not been to Galaxy's Edge, you get a little bit more in depth look at it. Uh, there's another also there's a um there's a feature on Disney Plus that's a TV special on uh hosted by Neil Patrick Harris of all people that originally yeah. aired on Freeform uh that it kind of goes behind the scenes of Galaxy's Edge as well. But it's interesting that uh, it's it's a part of their current summer pr- push to get people out there. Um and uh, well, it seems like they're more loose with the costume idea. I mean, when they first launched yes. Galaxy's Edge and stuff, it was like you know, don't be don't be too dressed up. We want to be mm-hmm. able to tell you know the staff from the people attending and, and yeah. that, and you couldn't wear the robes and stuff that you had bought. Uh, but it definitely seems like for a certain degree, I I, I don't think you can still you can't dress up as a Jedi, right? I mean, they haven't loosened that yet, have they? They have. What? I saw a fully uh, Jedi'd up dad and his son waltzing around Galaxy's Edge weekend before last. I was down at Disney, um, my first trip since the pandemic, uh, and uh, we went and experienced kind of like social distanced COVID policy Disney, and uh, I was, um, we went to Galaxy's Edge briefly just to get a Ronto wrap. We did no rides. We did no experiences, no building a lightsaber, no smuggler's run. We literally went and bought a Ronto wrap and called it a day. I've I've got some Batu here in my studio. Um, Well, you you might want to have a doctor. 
I'm I'm gonna save it for my Boston or my Boba's bounty. Oh, okay, all right, all because, right. Because uh, right. now that you mentioned that, I'm like, hmm. wait a minute, wait a second. So I I it gets with with the recent rumors of incorporating Mandalorian characters into Galaxy's Edge. Which makes sense because for the most part, almost every one of those characters are kind of timeless. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it highlights that the possibility that I think Disney might shift their view of the of Galaxy's Edge to make it incorporate more characters at the very least that are from different parts of the Star Wars timeline. Because here's my view on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's my here's my problem. I don't really have a problem with Galaxy's Edge, but it's more fun if I pretend like I'm real salty about it. Here's my problem <laughs> with Galaxy's Edge. You know why it sucks now? It's nuance, people. Uh, here's my, my my thoughts on Galaxy's Edge. I think one of the shortcomings in the way that, that they designed it with the whole like immersive experience as the primary focus is the loss of having... Um, memories incorporated into the into the theme park um because they're uh, for me as a kid and maybe i and i you, you tell wait, me how it goes pause for you real quick because i think yeah. as as a disney podcaster as well as star wars when you say memories what do you mean i'm talking about designing uh the the choice to design a place that's not from the movies that you remember watching that you remember seeing as a kid those mm-hmm. iconic locations those iconic characters that you remember um instead of focusing on that they built something that you are the iconic characters that's kind of the idea you okay. experience your own star wars story as they kind of keep they hyped up a lot so when they're that's what i'm talking about when i talk about memories the context of what scott trobridge was saying of like we want you okay. to be so uh but for me, for a second there, I thought you were talking about like this little photo spot memories. No, 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 it's yeah. your trip at Disneyland. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I mean actual like your memories of your favorite classic Star Wars locations and experiences. And I, for me as a kid, I definitely remember when I like quote unquote played Star Wars with some of my friends growing up. I do distinctly remember what we would love to do. Our favorite thing to do was to reenact and recreate with our toy lightsabers and stuff the classic scenes from the movie i i still to this day remember uh like one of my best friends growing up in like middle school age uh was daniel and daniel i had seen i had not seen attack of the clones yet i had seen the first few star wars movies this was like when i was probably 12 13 watching them all for the first time as i've talked about on the show a few times but um uh daniel wanted to reenact the duel in attack of the clones so uh, he was count dooku and i was obi-wan and my sister bethany was anakin so <laughs> we reenacted but he fed us the lines like that we were supposed to say it. and so he's <laughs> like um we you know well, well, well anakin we got to do this together i'm taking him now ah! you know and so we I, we fully recreated that scene um and but I, I, that's what I, how I remember playing Star Wars. So it's interesting that to me it makes more sense to allow you to be a part of the most iconic locations in Star Wars, and you get to experience what it's like to be inside that world. And I think that to me is is in some ways more of an immersive experience as a theme park than something unique that you 
recognizes looks like Star Wars and feels like Star Wars, but isn't anything from any Star Wars that we know. So that when you go to Oga's Cantina, it kind of seems like it, the the Moss Eisley Cantina's uh, bar, you know, bartender's cousin started another bar and just copied it, you know, in the next town over, and they didn't quite get all the construction right because it doesn't look quite the same it's almost there but it's not exactly there to the point where right. i think most families going in are like oh yeah this is most nice cantina then when they look around because it kind of has the same shaped bar and the same alcoves right and so i i think that's um that might be a, a um a shortcoming of the parks that i think they'll at least at the very at the very least incorporate classic characters into galaxy's edge i think you're gonna see darth vader marching through there with some stormtroopers at some point interesting I really do. See, because I, I, I was thinking, like, when it comes to the Mandalorian characters and stuff coming across, like, I wouldn't put Cara Dune in. I mean, I there's a part of me that's like, yeah, totally go for it because just representation and everything. But you put in characters like the Frog Lady. Um, <laughs> you put in, you know, an IG-88. Uh, you, you put in, you know, Mandalorians that are masked up, characters that you can't see their faces, mm. alien costumes, stuff like that. And then it doesn't really matter where you're at in the era or anything like that. Um, because I mean, that was kind of like my issue when I was trying to quantify, I mean, again, I still haven't been there. So like nothing's been broken for me, but when I went there, you know, you're looking at the Falcon, it's got the one dish and then you look at Kylo Ren and his, his helmet isn't broken. And you're like, well, you know, you didn't did break it. And after that dish has been replaced, like things don't quite line up, but it's, yeah, it's an impossible. It, it's, it's impossible. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, so, so if, you were to redo it again, would you say then you're more of the standpoint that instead of doing Batu, they should have probably done Mos Eisley Cantina or the city of Mos Eispa where you have the cantina there and then a bunch of other stuff that you learn. Like maybe like you said it like 50 years in the future and suddenly Tatooine's a tourist stop because, hey, come visit the home where Luke Skywalker used to live kind of thing. I So if you ask my honest assessment, I would have a hard time choosing. I don't think I could. Um choosing between doing a greatest hits of star wars or um a a batu where it's more immersive uh, but honestly like um for considering i i think I, I i lean towards the way that they did it but be more open to not having to be so married to a timeline and just embrace the hey we can have stormtroopers and darth vader marching through here one day and then we can have you know darth maul fight an Obi-Wan Disney cast member the next day and just like embrace the fact that it doesn't have to be this complicated Westworld time timeline slash, you know, world that you suddenly have to have complete consistency in. Uh, I, I think that that probably is the best way to go, but still have it be this one location um, well, especially with having multiple parks. I mean, you yeah. could. If like you they were, never had to do Batu at both parks. They could have easily done something different at one of the others to give you something else to go and see. I, I mean, and that's one thing. And, and I think the alternative would have been a greatest hits of Star Wars. But I think that would have been a more dedicated park concept not a dedicated part of a park which is what galaxy's edge is galaxy's edge is not meant to be from a disney parks perspective an all-day immersive experience it's two primary attractions some shops some places to eat and then a couple premium paid experiences where you can build a droid or build a lightsaber if you did all of that 
it take up maybe a little over half your day at at a Disney park. And that's why it's because it's designed to be a part of your experience at Hollywood Studios where then you can go over to the Toy Story Land and uh mosey over to, you know, Hollywood Boulevard, like uh do the Tower of Terror. Like that's kind of the way they they think of it is it's a small little alcove escape that you can do. So, I I I guess I I I don't mean to over criticize. I just think it's I want to point out a weakness that I think Disney wasn't really thinking about as much or certainly prioritizing as much when they designed Galaxy's Edge. So food for thought. Uh, I'll Aha. we'll be back uh, on, on, I want to say in the next month. Yeah. In the next month um, when we're doing our outdoor social distance one year later reception <laughs> for me and my wife, since we couldn't do a, a wedding, but it's in Florida and you better believe that part of that trip's going to be uh, heading down nice. to the mouse house and uh, heading up, hitting up Hollywood studios. We're going to do a pretty full day of it. So, uh, that'll be fun. Um, yeah. We'll get to do my, still, the greatest ride at Disney ever in terms of design and experience, Rise of the Resistance, hands down. Beats Flight of Passage, beats uh, it beats uh, my other favorite, which is at California Adventure, which is the Guardians of the Galaxy Breakout. Um, mm. It beats them all. It's, it's amazing. So um, I got one last little tag in here for the show. Um, all right which is more about sort of the future of Star Wars and technology, but I, I thought it was cool enough to actually bring up uh, Millie Bobby Brown is someone who's been long fan-casted to play Princess Leia, and one of mm-hmm. these uh, one of these deep fakes uh, recently came out uh, casting her through the form of artificial intelligence technology as Princess Leia. Uh, I'll throw the link in. Mark, if you haven't had a chance to, you can watch a little part of this video. It is... I mean, as as is always with deepfake videos, it's it's creepy. <laughs> it's a little creepy. It's weird how how close it gets. It's like ninety five percent there, but still looks a little odd. But it uh, it just shows you how incredible this technology has has become. And the the whole idea, if and if you're not familiar with deepfake technology, it's literally a computer algorithm mapping an image and movement of and, and re- facial recognition software uh, comparing two different faces hundreds of thousands of times over and over and over and over again to learn how to map facial features from one face to another in a way that a human wow. literally couldn't. That's literally the way the software yeah. is written. It just repetition over repetition, comparing the two different images, every frame of the video, multiple times, multiple times, multiple times. And it's, it's literally a software program that teaches the software program is taught by a human, how to teach itself, how to make a human face. So it's literally, Dude. it's that's, that's when you're getting into artificial intelligence, that's like, where we are, okay. where we're going with this. So. Picture it. A world in the future <laughs> where Star Wars gets reboot every 20 years. But they don't reboot the film. No, they stay true to George Lucas. They just reboot the actor's face. Starring. So they can make all new films with new cast. And every 20 years, they just dub a new face and do <laughs> a whole new cast for the new films. It could be like Doctor Who, dude. <laughs> That's Basically. I mean I mean you know the way we consume movies is slightly evolving but that mm. would be a crazy way. I mean, could you just imagine like all your favorite movies just updated in that regard? And then they're like tack on a couple sequels to it with a new actor. And then they're like, you know, 10, 20 years later, they come back and deep fade them all and change them all to a new actor for the sixth movie. <laughs> well, and the, the thing about this technology, when you, when you think about it, um, 
is that it's getting better at mimicking the human face than old school, I say old school, but like than traditional CGI techniques are that, that ILM has pioneered with Rogue One and recreating uh, Grand Moff Tarkin and Princess Leia. Um, there's been lots of times on the internet where they've actually used this technology to compare ILM's work to like some computer algorithm that a guy ran and, and it blows my mind. And I, I want to talk a little bit about it uh, more in, well, in Boba's Bounty. It's worth a lot to me. As you wish. That's right, everybody. Uh, Boba's Bounty. It's where we talk about what we've been watching, listening to, experiencing in the world of our Star Wars fandom. And we want to share it with you, what we recommend, just what gets our goat going uh, as Star Wars fans. And I, I set up the show this way because I have to talk about this YouTube video. Um, it's amazing. It's probably my favorite piece of Star Wars fans, fan-created content, certainly of 2021, but, you know, granted, we're only a few weeks in. But seriously, it's incredible. It's the folks over at Quarter Crew, which is a YouTube channel that is uh, hosted by and uh, created by a bunch of buddies who are professional VFX artists. And a lot of what they do is different series analyzing special effects, stunts, you know, insider movie uh, analysis of some of your favorite movies and moments and uh, they're just really knowledgeable really fun to watch it's very in the vein of um oh my gosh mark uh what is the f- mythbusters kind of in the vein of a Miss- mythbusters discovery channel okay. format but just in the youtube era white rabbit uh exactly so I, I you know rather than just like beat around the bush i'll play the first few seconds of this week's video that they did with dead eyes yeah, pretty good. Mm-hmm. There is a debate going on about how they did Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to make a deep fake of Luke Skywalker. We're going to show you how we do it. We're literally asking, can we do better than a multi-billion dollar company called Disney? <laughs> <laughs> we might be able to. The Corridor Crew. And they, uh, it's amazing. They literally, <laughs> these nerds, talk about deep fake technology and how far it's come along. And and they analyze the Luke Skywalker effect because they it's if you look at it closely, it looks like they got the actor and and they this is sort of their uh, assessment of that effect. They got the actor uh, who's kind of the same height and weight roughly as Mark Hamill that put on the costume, and then they created and this is what this is their best guess. This is we don't know because it wasn't it wasn't like this was in the behind the scenes documentary. It, they, they didn't talk about Luke Skywalker at all in the gallery episode on Disney+. Plus. They've literally released nothing official other than that there was a stunt guy, more or less, uh, who was in the costume, and Mark Hamill did the voice. That's kind of all we know. But what it kind of looks like they did is their own hybrid where they created a CGI plate that of, of Mark Hamill's face and then used some level of deepfake technology to uh, actually create the facial movement that analyzed Mark Hamill, Return of the Jedi era, and, 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 and kind of used that mishmash of technologies uh, to uh, create Luke Skywalker. And the contrast between the Luke Skywalker effect in The Mandalorian versus, for example, Grand Moff Tarkin in Rogue One is significant. The, the, the Tarkin imagery is really sharp. It's under really 
bright key lighting. You can see every detail, like almost the pores on his skin. Like you can kind of see this. I remember watching it in theaters and being like, this is too realistic. It was this uncanny valley thing. Whereas with Luke Skywalker, even like the other characters in the same environment, Baby Yoda, Din Djarin are in this kind of sharp lighting with reflections everywhere. The lighting on Luke Skywalker is very soft. It's a little bit of a blurry effect. It's a little mechanical in its movements or very subtle. It's like there's not very much like dramatic movements. And if you watch what they did, they uh, did a deep fake over an actor that they got that looked kind of like Mark Hamill in the same face structure. And they got a little bit more exaggerated movement, filmed it on green screen plates, used their like supercomputer with their best processor. And it took it 10 days of processing power to run the deep fake software and the the wow. end result is is incredible. The end result, I I won't say it looks better because it's they're more ambitious with the effect. They try to get more movement, a little bit more interaction with his eyes and head movement and stuff like that. That's not in the original. And so, in so doing, the 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 deep fake parts kind of show through. But in terms of image sharpness and then the actual quality of Mark Ham of how much it looks like Mark Hamill in this fan video is incredible. And then the whole process of these freaking nerds spending weeks trying to recreate this one shot and they build their own green screen and shoot it with their own cameras. Uh, I just, I love it. I love it. It's absolutely like DIY filmmaking uh, from these guys who are so passionate about visual effects and storytelling. And and I learned so much about deepfakes technology and where it is and how Disney's um, already kind of starting to look at the as an alternative to some of the other uh, Lucasfilm and, and of course, previously Marvel de-aging type stuff that they've done um, with straight up traditional CGI. So there you go, Mark. Highly recommended it. You would love the video. Uh, the link's going to be in the description at StarWarsReport.com, episode 461. One, two. Uh, anyway, it'll be at com. Make sure you check it out. It's called We Made a... There, and they make a bold claim. We made a better CGI Luke Skywalker by Corridor Crew on YouTube. How about you, Mark? Mm. Bold, Turner. Mm-hmm. Too bold. <laughs> no, that's pretty awesome. Um, so for me, uh, you know, I was actually down at Walmart, and they actually restocked some Black Series stuff. I was excited, but oh. I already got the wave. So I was like, I'm still waiting for Big Bad Toy Store to send my wave. And so I was like, well, in case they don't, I'm going to make sure this Moff Gideon and this armor <laughs> both make it into my cart now. Nice. And because I wasn't able to get Cad Bane, maybe somebody out there is looking to trade a Cad Bane for either one of those two figures. So that's that's mm-hmm. that's my gamble. You've put, um, it, you've, put, you've put it out in the universe. Right, right. Yeah, now the, now the positive juju is going to bring it back. The force is with me. I'm one with the force. The force is with me. Uh, but that aside, uh, my friends, the Bells that live down in Florida, um, you know, they work down over at a place of magic as well, uh, sent me some really cool things from Batu. I got the uh, Bubbo's Family Farms for the milk, uh, the big milk oh, yeah. thing mm-hmm. in the back corner. Oh, nice. And I also got the uh, Millennium Falcon popcorn bucket. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Galaxy's so. Edge. Hall. Can I? Can you show me the the blue milk? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm just curious what it actually looks like. So, folks, Mark's reaching back into yeah, this really cool little uh, shoulder strap, and yeah. it's got the uh, Bantha on one side oh, and yeah. the uh, whatever it was that Luke was uh, milking. <laughs> whatever that thing was. I, I, yeah, that was a weird looking thing. <laughs> 
But actually, I think that that's actually my favorite side of the two, and I believe it yep, lights up. Uh, so you can have that Disney magic day or night. Oh, nice. Family Farms. Well, that's awesome. That's really yeah, nice that's, of them to get that cool. for you. A little access yeah. to... Um, little access to galaxy's edge which a lot of that merch is uh available now on the disney store online so if you can't make it to galaxy's edge and you used to not really be able to purchase any of the stuff unless you're at the parks uh not 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 so anymore turns out they probably have a little bit of a surplus so uh, if you actually go to the disney store online they have a bunch of stuff on sale and uh, you can explain a good amount of star wars stuff there so, pro tip for you guys. But I like it, Mark. That's a that's a good pick. Good pick. So, I think on that note, ladies and gentlemen, it's going to wrap up this episode of the Star Wars Report podcast. Folks, you can stay in touch with us in between shows. Shoot us an email, starwarsreport at gmail.com. That's how you can... Uh, uh, email us and communicate with us directly. We'll read it on the show, if it is for the show. Uh, also, facebook.com slash Star Wars Report. Stay tuned to our Twitter, at Star Wars Report. And if you're listening to us on the Apple Podcast app, make sure you leave us a rating and review. Um, we have the packages packed. <laughs> I know slow updates here. For the mega giveaway, uh, most everybody's emailed back with your address, but if you have not, you know who you are. Make sure you get back with us. Uh, I've got two awesome mega prize packs. I'm Elian and Bethany volunteer too as well. So we'll be sending those out this week. Uh, but yeah, all of you guys who emailed us, starwarsreport at gmail.com, make sure you uh, got your address out. Uh, we'll be doing more giveaways in the near future, so stay tuned to the podcast. Uh, wherever you listen to the show, it's always good to leave us a rating and review. We really do appreciate it. I want to give a big shout out and thank you to every single one of our uh, Patreon supporters. You guys help fund the show, uh, all the cost, hosting, equipment, all that stuff is funded directly through you, uh, and we like to say thank you in the form of giving you some sweet bonus content, including this week's Rogue Transmissions, in which uh, Mark and I talked about sea shanties on TikTok, <laughs> Among, amongst other things, uh, like the closest to sea shanties Star Wars has ever gotten, so... That was uh, this week's segment on Rogue Transmissions, our Patreon-exclusive uh, podcast, and you can find it over at patreon.com slash Star Wars Report. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Star Wars Report. Mr. Hurleman, tell the good people where they can find you online. Illogical Rogue 2, out there on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, nice. MySpace. I think. I think I think that's still around. nice. I like it. I like it. You can also follow me. I'm at the Riley Guy. R I L E Y, the Riley Guy on Twitter, Instagram, all those things, all the social medias. When I when I check them, I try. I try. It does get a little dangerous out there sometimes, but you know that's how it goes. I how that's how it goes, uh, folks. Until next time, we appreciate you listening to the podcast. May the force be with you and remember many bothans died to bring you this podcast
stupid <laughs> what were the 80s man what were they yeah. so dumb uh oh be one good no lord have mercy <clears throat> all right let me stop the recording here doctor i appreciate it i'm gonna